Welcome in to News and Views with Tom Lamprecht. The stories you've heard and the ones you need to hear. The war was a strategic failure. If we didn't have a president that was so addled, you all would be fired. Addressing the debt limit is an urgent matter. Democrats want to jack up America's tax rate, spend it on socialism. We're just asking for Republicans to get out of the way. Con game for Democrats. The Republicans are being so irresponsible. Your life, your values, your voice. This is News and Views with Tom Lamprecht on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. All right, welcome in. We've got a good program for you. It's going to be a little different today. We've got an interview coming up in about 30 minutes um, with a gentleman who is a producer of a new film called Mayberry Man. And indeed, parts of it were filmed right here in North Carolina in uh, Andy Griffith's hometown of Mount Airy. We'll get to that in a little bit. News is um, sometimes the funniest thing out there. A Turkish man, this this just released on Fox News, a Turkish man who got drunk and wandered into the forest was reported missing. Unknowingly, he meanders back into town and joins the search party to find himself. (laughs) Was his name Otis? In the spirit of our show later today, was his name Otis? A search operation was formed to find him. He joined with the volunteers to go out and look for him. You can't make it up. Wow. Uh, Yeah, yeah, I can see the guy now. Who are you guys looking for? Come on, man. Where was he last seen? What does he look like? Yeah, Yeah, maybe we need to get to a search party for Joe. He can join us. News and Observer is reporting North Carolina lawmakers rejected today changing the state law that requires local school boards to hold monthly votes to their um, review the rules on face masks. Some state leaders want some state leaders want to eliminate the required monthly votes that have brought protest and some contention to meetings uh, to local school boards across the state. Democrat lawmakers called it a matter of public safety to drop the requirement. So. This went along party lines. Republicans upheld the law, 41 uh, votes from the Democrats, 51 from the Republicans, so they prevailed earlier today. Now, apparently, when this originally passed, it was passed unanimously. But apparently, uh, Roy Cooper got the word out, and all the Democrats have fallen in line. But again, all the Rep- I, think, I think there might have been one Republican that didn't vote. But uh, all the votes that were cast were uh, in favor of the uh, mask review policy as a monthly requirement continuing. Uh, Representative Amos Quick, a Democrat from Guilford County, said the state lawmakers have the advantage in the General Assembly. When we get into an argument, we have police. Well, there's police at these school board meetings. Uh, in August, state lawmakers approved a wide-ranging school COVID relief bill that included provisions such as allowing schools to offer remote le- learning and uh, also that they would review their mask policy on a monthly basis. Cooper signed the bill. Now the Democrats, falling in line with the Democratic National Party, uh, are, are now opposed to such freedoms from Americans. Uh, you know, it's interesting— um, Cooper came out, now this wasn't today, but he came out a while back and said 
Um, you know, we need to make sure that um, threats, bullying, and intimidation, none of this belongs in our public schools, particularly by adults. Remember, our children are watching. Now, that was his way of scolding parents who have come to these school board meetings and have basically, out of total frustration, shown outrage only because they've been placated and rebuffed over and over again. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if, you, if you actually... Uh, enter into a dialogue and and you see it online all the time these parents whether it's critical race theory whether it's pornography in our schools or whether it's the mask mandate they go to these school board meetings and i'm not saying all of them if you're on a local school board don't get mad at me and call me up but it's true across the nation you see it time and time again these school boards placate these parents okay say your piece all right next okay say your piece okay next and parents are sick of it. Yeah. All, all they do is they give them a time limit. They're on the agenda. If you're not on the agenda, you can't speak most yeah. of the time. And they, you know, they cut you off in the middle of your, you know, what you're talking about. Uh, I, I was actually watched a local school board meeting, not Pitt County, but here in eastern North Carolina back when this was just before school started about the mask mandates. And every single board member sitting as close or closer than you and I, and then you had an assistant superintendent or two assistant superintendents sitting closer than you and I, all with no mask. Hmm. <laughs> I, I mean, but, you know, dictating that, you know, little school kids have to wear masks for five or six, seven hours a day. And then come Saturday, we all get together at the football stadium, college football stadium of our favorite team. 50,000, 60,000, 100,000 people together, no masks, jammed right. in like sardines. And and at that time, uh, you know, the CDC came out with something this week, which was, you know, some half <clears throat> study. I just about said it, <laughs> but um, a half a rear end. There study. has been no significant peer review studies that say anything that mask conclusively uh, limits to spread the virus. I mean, they're they're all out there, basically. Symbolism without substance. Yeah. And yet, these continue to say, you know, it's all about the data and the science. Interestingly. Speaking of all this, last night there was debate up in Virginia, Virginia Democratic Governor Terry McAuliffe. Oh, he's candidate, former governor, running again. He's Clinton. He's Clinton's boy, oh, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He, he, was, he, and, he was like was camp, one of his camp, maybe his campaign manager, what? He was high He was up. pretty high up. He was pretty high yeah. up, yeah. Um, and he's running against Republican Glenn Youngkin. Um, That's a tough name to win a race. I'm sorry. <laughs> Glenn Youngkin. Well, I don't know. Sometimes, you know, when when I ran for the state senate, said Lamprecht, boy, you ain't a local boy, are you? You ain't um, from around here, are you, boy? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> but the, uh, the the other side of the coin is people say, well, people are going to remember your name. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. The um, But anyway, they got into a debate last night, and the debate got down. This is cut one, Clark. The debate got down to schools. And it, you remember yesterday we talked about this situation up in Fairfax County where this mom went before school board and started reading from some of the books that were available in the local high schools. Gross, blatant, perverted, homosexual sex acts, pornography between grown men and young boys. And she read it aloud. We talked about that yesterday. Well, that came up in the debate 
Uh, this is Glenn Youngkin, the Republican candidate, and then Terry McAuliffe, who's running as a Democrat. What we've seen over the course of the last 20 months is our school systems refusing to engage with parents. In fact, in Fairfax County this past week, we watched parents so upset because there was such explicit, sexually explicit material in the library they had never seen. It was shocking. And in fact, you vetoed the bill that would have informed parents that they were there. You believe school systems should tell children what to do. I believe parents should be in charge of their okay. kids' education. Mr. McAuliffe, 30 seconds. So first of all, this shows how clueless Glenn Youngkin is. He doesn't understand what the laws were because he's never been involved here in helping Virginia. But it was not. The parents had to write to veto bills, veto books, Glenn, not to be knowledge about it, also take them off the shelves. And I'm not going to let parents come into schools and actually you take books out and make their own decision. You vetoed it. So, yeah, I stopped the bill that I don't think parents should be telling schools what they should teach. What we've seen over the course of the last 20 months is our school system. There, it just started repeating itself. But basically, so basically what Terry McAuliffe is saying is, elect me. And you'll have no say in your child's education. <laughs> That's a heck of a campaign pitch, isn't it? Well, it's the Democrat way. I mean, really. But he, I mean, but to come out and admit it? <laughs> now, what's interesting is this race is less than 3% percentage points <clears throat> apart. Um, this could be something. And by the way, this Youngkin has already made a campaign ad out of this clip. Just happened last night. Already made a campaign ad out of this clip. Basically, it's got... Uh, the woman who was upset with the Fairfax School Board. And then he's got uh, Terry McAuliffe saying, you know what? Um, no, I don't want parents to have a say in their child's education. The parents shouldn't tell the schools what, how to educate their kids. Um, I, I, th I think this will play. I think this I think Terry McAuliffe stepped in it big time. Every now and then, libs accidentally speak the truth. Well, you know, I don't think... Um you know, I think people in education should determine what kids have on their agenda to learn. But this is pedophilia. There's no other yeah. way to say it. Yeah. When you yeah. when you when you're promoting books of of an adult man and a boy, that's pedophilia. Yeah. Yeah. That that trash should be removed. Well, and it's against the law. I yeah. mean, and people promoting that, as, as that governor from Hudson, Ohio, said, they ought to be charged, arrested uh, with criminal charges. By the way, in South Carolina, Governor Henry McMaster and Attorney General Alan Wilson have filed notice of an appeal of the U.S. District Court after Judge Mary Geiger struck down the state's provision forbidding schools from requiring face masks. So that's going to court. He said he'll take it all the way to the Supreme Court. Stay with us. Benny and I will be right back. Confused. Cutting through the confusion. Why are they forcing the vaccine on people at all? News and views. Should I get it? Should I not get it? To bring you clarity and certainty. I am just, I'm tired of it. So I'm losing trust in all of it. Now back to News and Views on Talk 96.3-1037. Welcome back in on September the 29th. It is National Coffee Day. I'll drink to that. <laughs> Don't drink too late in the day, though. You might... Be up all night. Let's see. Yesterday was beer day, right? Yeah. So this coffee is, day. It's appropriate. Yesterday's beer day. So now you've got a little bit of hangover, perhaps. Yeah, wake up in the morning with your hangover and get yeah. coffee. Oh, there you go. Hey, 
They they thought this out when they made all these national days. The, the, by the way, there's a national day for anything and everything. Uh, take a look at the weather forecast tonight. Mostly clear, low around 59. Sunny tomorrow, high 78. Tomorrow night, again clear, low 57. Friday sunshine, a high of 77. And if you complain about this weather, there's something wrong with you. By the way, it was uh, 232 years ago today, in 1789, Congress established the modern U.S. Army. Now, uh, that was the first of our military. Maybe it was apropos that uh, the military went before Congress today. I assume that uh, those individuals in uh, 1789 are all rolling over in their graves as we speak, based on what uh, our military is doing. Uh, What's interesting, though, today is Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin has basically thrown the State Department. Now, I, I, I think it would be pretty rare for me to agree with Lloyd Austin, but I think I probably would agree with this one. He's basically thrown the State Department under the bus as it relates to the chaotic um, mess over in the Afghanistan departure. Um, he basically said when, when asked on why evacuations did not begin sooner, Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin said it was, quote, the State Department's call. We provide input. We provide it to the State Department. And uh, they did what they did. Now, what the State Department is trying to blame it on is that they're saying the Afghanistan government, Ghani, said that if they withdrew American citizens and those Afghanis who helped Americans, if they removed them too quickly, too soon, it would look suspicious and it would cause a collapse of the government. Well, <laughs> guess what? They didn't remove them too soon, and guess what happened? The government collapsed. <laughs> yeah, we, we've talked about it before, but Antony Blinken you know, has advised Joe Biden— for, for years, like 20 decades, years, 20 yeah. years, uh, been an advisor, um, foreign his, affairs, basically his legislative advisor when he was the uh, Senate foreign affairs committee. Right. So, he, you know, Biden's made a lot of mistakes, uh, from yeah. a state department issue. Uh, so, Hey, maybe he's still give a nod of the cap to a uh, Blinken and Lloyd Austin. And I'm sure, uh, Millie and McKenzie and Miller and all these top brass guys or top, uh, army guys. Um, I mean, they've been uh, they've been raked over to coals for the last thirty days. Well, you know, it's so they may be tired of it. And, and now, now um, Millie and McKenzie both yesterday they probably said it again today. I, I heard them say it yesterday that well, I'm not going to reveal any of my private conversations with uh, the president. However, however, <laughs> I will throw him under the bus. I will throw Blinken under the bus. I will not take any more raps for their stupid jackass decisions that they made yeah when, when you say that you will not disclose any of your private consultations uh, but, to the executive but my personal opinion is well well guess what yeah. the, the president should be asking you your personal, your personal opinion. opinion so i think uh yeah i think they upheld their office yeah. by and but also at the same time saying hey it was biden's fault yeah 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 and sean hannity made a great point he said you know it's interesting that Millie will not reveal to these senators and House members his private conversations with the president. But he will get Bob Woodward on the phone and tell him everything yeah. he wants to know. 
Yeah, and I think it was um, yesterday I saw uh, uh, retired General Jerry Boykin being interviewed and um, uh, the other general that uh, uh, that Trump appointed, it, it, uh, gave him the Presidential Medal of Freedom, uh, Jack. Um, I know who you're talking about. It's you on know, Fox t- News quite yeah. a bit. Yeah, yeah th- they both were saying that, hey, it, it's time for these people to sign a non-disclosure agreement when they're asked to serve in those roles and yes. i agree it's one thing when you take off the uniform uh you're a private yes. citizen but while you're serving in your capacity you need to keep your mouth shut bingo bingo um switching back to state news interesting article in the carolina journal written by dallas woodhouse familiar name to many of our listeners. take it to the woodshed take it to the woodshed <laughs> This is this is beyond the pale as far as what liberals will do. Uh, and I, I've got to put this in the cheating category. Uh, there's there's no way this can be legal, certainly highly unethical. Dallas writes, a new North Carolina Supreme Court order confirms that the court's justices are considering whether to remove two colleagues from hearing a high-profile case involving voter ID. Carolina Journal was the first to report that the court's four Democrats were contemplating the move that would block two Republican justices from taking part in the case. It's a move that could destroy the courts for years to come. The order issued yesterday highlights the accuracy of the Carolina Journal story. It features eight multi-part questions for lawyers on both sides of the case, known as the case NAACP versus Moore. The questions are designed to address whether and how the court could remove justices from a case when those justices chose choose not to recuse themselves. The questions make clear the targeted justices are fighting for efforts to remove them. They're fighting the efforts to remove them. Asking for briefs on the issue is a way to highlight dangerous efforts by Democrats on the court to upend 200 years of case law for partisan political purposes. Carolina Journal reported that the plan to remove the Thule elected Republican justices, and again, this is a statewide election when you elect Supreme Court justices, would nullify North Carolina's voters to amend the Constitution. Now, what is um, basically at risk of going down that the Democrats don't like are two constitutional amendments, which, by the way, both of these amendments got more than 2 million votes each. Both of these amendments, they were passed in 2018 by the voters of North Carolina. Both of these amendments received more votes than any candidate did in 2018. (laughs) So you talk about a, a huge sweeping a firm affirmation from the voters to these amendments. The, the two amendments would deal, one, with voter ID, which, again, we've talked about this over and over again, and a majority, I would say a vast majority, of North Carolinians of every race, creed, color, and party are in favor of, even Democrats, a majority of Democrats are in favor of this. And then the other thing would lower the state's income tax cap. Hmm. So basically, the Democrats have come up with this idea that we should remove Republican justices Tamara Berenger and Phil Berger Jr. Why? Because Phil Berger Jr. is the son of state Senate leader Phil Berger. So what? 
So we can just say guilt by association. Yeah. <laughs> Berenger was a lawmaker during the time these constitutional amendments passed the legislature by three-fifths majority. Again, so what? But what makes this even more bizarre, lawyers working to legis- uh, for legislative defendants in the case, in other words, the attorneys for Berenger and Berger, they filed a motion opposing the forced remover- m- removal of the two, and this is this is beyond the pale. Why would they even have to go to court? These people are elected by the people of North Carolina to judge. And the idea is we don't think you—basically, the Democrats are saying we don't think you could possibly be a fair justice in this matter. But what makes it more bizarre is this motion from the attorneys for these two justices, the two Republican justices, pointed out— that if the NAACP's objection was really over a conflict of interest, why was there no effort to remove Earls, a Democrat who's on the court, who was once the attorney for the plaintiffs, the NAACP? Hmm. <laughs> this is unbelievable. So Anita Earls, who is on the Supreme Court, she was the she was the attorney for the NAACP. Mm-hmm. Who is uh, one of the uh, one of the two people in this one of the two parties in this case, and they're not asking her to be removed. Plaintiff's decision not to seek recusal of another justice with actual involvement in this case only undermines its position and calls into question the plaintiff's real goal in bringing this motion, which is that a vote of five justices might be better than if it was all seven. You know, it's it's being more and more apparent that I don't mm, – this is a bold statement here. <laughs> I don't think there's a Democrat in North Carolina that will follow the rule of law, follow what is best for the taxpayers and for the constituents of North Carolina. They were following their lead from outside of the state, the DNC and, oh, yeah. and, and the Democrat oh, yeah. Party, and it's it's extends all the way to the judicial branch. Yep. And if you just look at some of the – some of their votes in the last uh, four years, uh, five years now, um, I, pr- prove it to me otherwise. I mean, they're all completely political votes. I, you know, it. Now, they're, the, the, the two justices, the two Republican justices are fighting this. But I, I, for the life of me, I'm, I'm looking at this and thinking, wait a minute, why should you have to fight this? Yeah. Why should why why is this even being considered as legitimate? I mean, this is this is when you go from a a, a uh, law-abiding democratic uh, republic to just anarchy of mob rule. Mm-hmm. Well, we on the Supreme Court have the majority of the votes, so we're going to vote you off the Supreme Court. You can't decide this case. And again, this is not a, a close case. I mean, this is a case, a constitutional amendment case, where the voters of North Carolina overwhelmingly voted for these two things. And these two, the, 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 the Democrats on the Supreme Court don't like it, and by gosh, we're going to torpedo it. And, and what it does, so you, well, you, have four, you have four Democrats and three Republican justices in total. Right now, right. And by removing those two... Then it makes it easy for the Democrats Democrats to say, well, you know, it was uh, it was a three it was a three two vote or a three one vote. Um, 
Because well, there's very few ways you can spin a 4-3 vote other than being political. <laughs> well, the other interesting thing, too, about it is they, they probably don't want a close vote because Sam Irvin Jr., is up for re-election yeah, next that's year. True. And, uh, and by the way, he's up for re-election, but they're not asking him to recuse himself, even though his re-election or lack of re-election could uh, depend upon how this goes. Hey, listen, stay with us, because when we come back, we're going to be talking to the producer of the new movie, Mayberry Man. You're not going to want to miss this. Stay with us. We'll be right back. This is your Drive at 5 and ENC with Tom Lamprecht. Welcome back to News and Views on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. Welcome back in. Benny Hardy, Tom Lamprecht, Clark Willis, and uh, got a special guest, Court Howe. Court Howe is a one of the producers, uh, certainly involved in the upcoming, I guess it's just been released. Last week was the premiere. They had premieres in of all, all places, Mount Airy, North Carolina. I think there was a premiere out in L.A., and uh, the name of the movie is Mayberry Man. Court, welcome in. Good to have you with us. Thank you so much. I'm glad to be here and uh, love North Carolina. My family is from the Carolinas. My mom grew up in Gastonia, and oh, yeah. uh, we were just in Mount Airy like, celebrating the Andy Griffith Show. Well, everybody, first of all, everybody loves the Andy Griffith Show. But if you're a North Carolinian, you live and die by the Andy Griffith Show. I mean, Benny and I were talking before we went on the air that we can watch these reruns and recite the lines before they come out of the actor's mouth. I mean, that's how many times we've seen <laughs> exactly, these episodes. Exactly. Uh, we, were, we were just talking. Um, Benny had a friend who Andy Griffith was his music teacher down in Goldsboro. Uh, my mom was in the Carolina Playmakers with Andy Griffith, and we've got pictures of she and Andy Griffith together. So there's a lot of connections here. But, you know, um, generally speaking, it's a real challenge to pull off a sequel of uh, another movie or of a TV show. But this really isn't a sequel. I mean, it's going with the Mayberry theme, but explain the premise of this film. Sure, sure. Well, first of all, the connection that I have and my brother have uh, to the Andy Griffith show is our father, uh, Hoke Howell, was an actor, and he played uh, Dud Wasp on the series many, many years ago. So we're sort of legacies, and uh, you know, some other people that came on board to help with the movie were Andy's daughter, Dixie Griffith, and Karen Knotts, Don Knotts' daughter. So a lot of family was involved in this project, and we did not set out to make a remake or a sequel to the Andy Griffith Show. Right. Uh, this is a tribute to the show. It's a modern day story about. It's official. It's a, you know we're not shattering uh, you know any uh, new ground here. It's uh, a fish out of water story about an arrogant movie star who ends up stuck in a, a Mayberry Festival, a current day. But it's kind of like he steps back in time to Mayberry because you have all these tribute artists who are dressing up like the characters. It's uh, just a lot of. Andy Griffith style fun. It's a family movie, Dove approved for all ages, and it's just a, a great time that celebrates the spirit of Mayberry. Got a heartwarming story, a lot of Andy Griffith style antics, and uh, anybody, any fan of the Andy Griffith show uh, is just going to love it. Now, 
uh, a mutual friend of ours, Dan Parker, uh, was telling me a little bit about how you and your brother Stark came up with this idea. And I guess Stark had been attending some of these Mayberry festivals in the past, and he thought, hmm, maybe we should do something. Exactly. So I had attended one um, previously in the Midwest, and uh, and we kind of knew this was going on. I mean, going back into the 90s when my dad was still around, he would go to some of these these. Uh, festivals that were it's for the the Andy Griffith show rerun watchers club it's a mouthful but this these they've been around for a long time and so it seems to have just gotten bigger and bigger over the years and I know in Mount Airy the Mayberry Days festival there uh, I think it was celebrating its 31st year and it just draws tens of thousands of people to the town uh, which is Andy Griffith's you know hometown where he grew up and right. you know people say the the Andy Griffith show is kind of based on Mount Airy. And, um, you know, it's just this big phenomenon. And so when my brother went to the first, uh, his first festival, he was kind of motivated to go home and write a little screenplay. And he thought, you know, we're not going to go try to sell this to Hollywood. I don't think they would be big. They would see the potential for this. You have to really understand the Mayberry community and the Mayberry fans. And so we decided to crowdfund it and we partnered with the fans so that we could, one, control the message and protect the Mayberry legacy, and two, so we could put the fans in the movie. So, you know, more than half the cast is uh, fans and tribute artists, you know, not professional actors per se, but uh, you would never know that from watching the movie. They do a fantastic job, and they bring Mayberry back to life, and it's just a, it's a blast. And I haven't seen the film yet, but I've, I've watched the trailer, and I'm impressed. I mean, it, it it comes off major league. It's it's so very well done from what I've seen. Well, well, we like to say it's Hollywood production values, but without Hollywood values. <laughs> so we, it's Amen. Mayberry spirit all the way. How, how do we get how do we get it uh, shown and say in our hometown? Well, so right now it's all self-distributed by us we don't have like a third-party distributor mm -hmm. uh so we're getting it into theaters so uh it's basically just word of mouth uh if you have a kind of an independent theater in town uh you connect them with us and and we can get it in there um but it's available on dvd if you go to mayberryman.com you can order a dvd and uh starting october 1st you can rent it on amazon Okay. Uh, in fact, you can actually buy it on Amazon today. It's available right now. Um, but October 1st is our official release date on Amazon, so you can just stream it right at home right there. Interesting story about the music. Tell us about that. Well, so, you know, being kind of legacies connected to this, the community, the, the families of the Andy Griffith Show, um, uh, Stark actually was able to, to get to know Laura Hagen, and uh, she is the widow of Earl Hagen, who is the composer, did all the music for the show. And she said, I believe in this project. I, she, she controls the rights to all the Andy Griffith music, except for the whistle where she owns 50%. So she said, all the stuff I own outright, you guys can use it. And we're like, really? Wow. <laughs> so you, we've got you know, a lot of, uh, it's, it's re-recorded, modern day recordings. But a lot of those familiar tunes that you hear in the Andy Griffith show, whether it's the the, um, the Mayberry March, uh, you'll recognize that tune. You'll have, hear the Manhunt tune, which kind of became Barney's theme mm -hmm. you know, with the drums, the drum beat, you know. And so uh, we really, you know, 
infused the soundtrack with a lot of that. And then there's a lot of original music, too. Uh, there's some uh, some original songs by Levi Riggs, who's a country star, who's actually from Danville, Indiana, where we shot a good chunk of the movie. And uh, just a, it's just a great feel-good film that uh, does not... <laughs> It doesn't look like a little independent film. It, it feels like the real deal. So I think people will be impressed. Now, some other names that were, I guess, involved in the film. One was uh, Clint Howard, Ronnie Howard's uh, brother, who, uh, wh- what was the name of the little character he played? He, he would every he now was, and then make a, Leon. an appearance. Leon, that's mm-hmm. right, yeah. Yeah. Was he, in, not, so, I know so, he's not in the film, but was he involved in this? So he was supposed to be in the film, and, and what happened with with the pandemic and COVID and all that, we had to, we were originally going to do this as a union SAG, you know, Screen Actors Guild project, but there was, uh, once the whole pandemic thing hit, uh, it became impossible for us to meet their standards. So we ended up having to go non-union. So he wasn't able to, to participate. Now, actually, several of the, the original stars or, or people that were in the show um, had to drop out that we hope to just have little cameo appearances, right? Just right. So they'd be represented. Right. Uh, you know, they couldn't travel because of the COVID and things like that. But Clint is a family friend. The Howards were family friends. I mean, my brother Stark was in some of Ron's early films that he made as a teenager. Uh, our fathers, uh, Hoke Howell and Rance Howard were writing partners. So we kind of just grew up around the Howard family. And so Clint's like, whatever I can do to help, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll help you out. Now, I'm curious, how did you get from L.A. to Indiana? <laughs> it was love. It's a love story. Oh, oh, story. your wife? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's how I landed in the Midwest. I got you. The, um, yeah, very nice. The uh, Don Knotts' daughter and uh, Andy Griffith's daughter, you said, both have uh, roles in the film. Yeah. How did... Yeah. How, wh- was there just a, a overwhelming enthusiasm? Did some people look at you like you got two heads? Uh, what was the response? Because, you know, when you, as I said at the beginning of our interview, generally speaking, when you try to even touch upon something that is this classic, uh, you know, sometimes your antenna goes up. Yep. Yeah, well, I mean, we took time to, to establish relationships and let people get to know us. And, you know, I have 30 years of, of television production experience, and I've done a film previously. And then Stark has worked in television animation for 30 years with Disney and Nickelodeon and everything. So we're not new to, to right. filmmaking. Right. So we had kind of decent bona fides. And, and, uh, but Dixie Griffith uh, came on as an executive producer, and she was fully supportive of the project. And Karen, they're, they're just really sweet people that, um, you know, that saw what we were trying to do and said, we'll do whatever we can to help. And then Karen Knotts actually makes an appearance in there. And she has a brand new book out, which um, if, uh, if you get a chance, it, she tells stories of, you know, about her, her relationship with her father. It's called Tied Up in Knots. That would, I'd, I'd recommend that for, for Mayberry fans. And, um, yeah, I mean, every, I mean we had uh, George Lindsay Jr., who's the son of uh, Goober. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. He supported the project as well. Again, he was one of those that had to drop because of COVID. But, um, yeah, I mean, it was just a, a kind of big family community effort. And it's very much like an episode of The Andy Griffith Show. You know, it's uh, hard to believe as we go back and look at these uh, old Andy Griffith shows because they've sort of been with us all our lives. But, I mean, you're going back 60, 61 years. 
for the early episodes of this. And you know, most of them have gone to their eternal resting place, you know, the ones that were actually in the film. But um, the, the gal that played um, uh, Barney's girlfriend, Thelma Lou. Thelma Lou. Right. Mm-hmm. Now, yeah. is, is she still in uh, the Mount Area area? Exactly. She's in the, she's in Mount Airy. I think she just celebrated her 94th birthday. Wow. And, uh, you know, she would once a month go to the, the Andy Griffith uh, Museum there in Mount Airy and meet the fans. And, and she, uh, I don't, I don't, I'm not sure if she's been doing that recently because of, you know, COVID, COVID but, yeah, right. um, but, uh, she just loves meeting with the fans and people wait three hours. And it takes wow. three hours because she chats with all of them, <laughs> and she just loves it. Yeah. Uh, there was one episode in the Andy Griffith Show that I I'd wondered whether or not um, this was sort of uh, a, 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 perhaps a part of the premise for your film. It, Bill Bixby, Bixby, who mm-hmm. played in The Incredible Hulk and My Favorite Martian, and people would recognize him. He he comes speeding through town, and Andy and Barney end up arresting him. And he goes and stays at the jail, but you know goes to the uh, to yep. Andy's home yep. for and, and, and he t- cooks for him. Yeah, <laughs> and it, it becomes a, a story of uh, repentance and reconciliation and and standing. I mean, it's just one of those good moral stories that are often it's, seen. It's, Exactly. Very similar to that. Bailey's Bad Boy, I think, was the name yeah, of the episode. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's a good one. Uh, yes, it kind of parallels that. And also a little bit like Man in a Hurry, which is a fan favorite where uh, uh, this rich guy you know, breaks down in town and right. gets stuck oh, there yeah. on a Sunday. Right. Um, but the little-known pilot episode, which was really an episode of the Danny Thomas show, right. the plot of that episode was Danny Thomas gets pulled over for speeding by uh, Sheriff Andy Taylor in right. Mayberry. Right. And uh, feels like he's getting railroaded with uh, the fine and ends up locked up in Mayberry and uh, does his television show from Mayberry uh, from the jail cell. And, and same sort of deal, you know. It's just like... Yeah, and, and, that, and that, people, pilot, yeah. in that pilot program, Andy really played more of the character of the No Time for Sergeants character. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was much more right. country, much more unsophisticated. Well, if you watched, yeah, that first season, I think, um, you know, they're kind of discovering their roles a little bit. Right. It turned out that that Don Knotts, you know, Barney was uh, really the, the, you know, the character. And then Andy kind of tones it down and becomes a little more of the straight man rather than being the the country bumpkin that he played in No Time for Sergeants. Right, right. Interesting stuff. We will go online and get it if we can't get one of our theaters to bring it in town. But, uh if if they go online to Mayberry Man, go Google Mayberry Man, or is it MaybearyMan.com? They can yep. find out more information. May, yep, MaybearyMan.com. You can find out where we're going to be. You know, you can pre-order your DVD. Those are going to ship in, in, any day now. And then, uh, you know, you can check it out on Amazon. And, um, yeah, just uh, just follow us. And Facebook, we're, we're pretty active on Facebook. Uh, the, the Mayberry community is pretty busy in there. And um, we're just trying to put out as much uh, fun content that we can, a lot of behind the scenes. If you go to our YouTube channel, you know, Mayberry Man, youtube.com slash Mayberry Man, you'll see a lot of clips that we've been putting out. Okay. Uh, just short clips, longer behind the scenes stuff. And you can kind of see the whole story of how this movie got made. We've been posting stuff going back a year and a half. 
Fun yeah. stuff. Yeah. Well, when did when did this project actually? You know, when when did the idea? How long ago was it that the idea popped into your brother's mind? It was actually three years ago this month. Okay. Was his uh, first Mayberry Days festival. Then the following year, I joined him in Mount Airy, and we kind of kicked off our sort of awareness and, and fundraising campaign. And then that was 2019. Then 2020, September of 2020, we shot the film. And then September of uh, 2021, we debuted it. By the way, I also noticed uh, in this brochure that I was received, you thanked the different folks who supported you. I suppose some supported you financially, others supported you just by being there for you. But uh, Weaver's Department Store, is that the original Weaver's Department Store that was in Andy Griffith's show? Well, that's what it's uh, that's what it's named after, but that's actually an online store. Okay. Uh, hmm. Weaver's De- Weaver's Department Store dot com. Right. And it's uh, husband and wife. It's actually um, the guy that plays Floyd, the Floyd tribute artist, Alan Newsom, and his wife run this online store. And so oh. it's anything Mayberry related. If you go to to Weaver's Department Store dot com, you can check it out. You can also get our DVD there. Um, you can get this. Up. There's an, also a documentary out right now called The Mayberry Effect. Um, you can check that out. And that's more about the Mayberry phenomenon. And that's a documentary very much in the traditional sense. And so just lots of good Mayberry stuff going on. So, so, so it's not um, affiliated with old man Ben Weaver then, right? <laughs> no, no, no. There's another story every day. Yeah, I think that was the character's name. Yeah, that, that that Christmas film. See, we do. We've memorized them all, Court. I mean, there's not yeah, one I you know. can pull by. But uh, yeah, that's they got a great story of redemption, and it sounds like this movie, Mayberry Man, yeah, is another. And great I think story as the word gets out on this, um, you know, people my generation, I, I was a little young when it was originally on, but when the reruns came out, it was on. It was on TV every afternoon when I got home from school with people my generation. I mean, so we grew up yeah. on it. Well, and now that you've got cable TV, you can watch it four or five times a day. So, Well, uh, Court, thanks a million for uh, coming on with us. Interesting stuff, and we look forward to, to seeing the film. Let us know how it goes. I will. Thanks so much for, uh, for welcoming me on. And uh, Mayberry Man in theaters, online, on DVD. Help us out. There you go. Get this movement going. Mayberry Man, May, May, Man.com. <laughs> Court, have a great day. Thank you, sir, for joining us. And uh, we do look forward to watching the film. Appreciate it. The. Uh, now I really got to go watch it. I mean, now that I, I, yeah, I, mean, I, I would have anyway, wait. but now it's, it's uh, again, it's, I think to a certain degree, they're not trying to. They're they're almost probably to a certain degree poking fun at at in in a very healthy way poking fun at those people who want to go imitate Goober or Gomer or Barney or Floyd, but at the same time the the story of redemption is uh, is a good one. It's it's how TV has changed. I mean, it used to be you know. The Danny Talbot show, the Andy Griffith show, you know, Fathers Knows Best. Uh, even even as corny as Leave It to Beaver was, there were there were good life lessons in those those films. Yeah, now there's lessons, but they're not very good. No, no. I can imagine what casting would have been like when I saw that that Barney Fife guy look alike. Yeah, I was like, I wonder how many guys auditioned for that, and how fun that must have been to, to be a part of <laughs> to watch them audition. See, uh, Clark Willis is shows up in films all the time. He goes down to Wilmington and our producer. 
He's the man you didn't know you see so much. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I, uh, some of some of those films that he's I like in. That. <laughs> Some of those films that he's in, I don't know that our audience would be uh, akin to, but um, if, if you like a, a, a good, scary film, then you'll love the, the films that uh, Clark is in. Yeah, you'll absolutely love Halloween Kills. Perfect for uh, October, don't you think? I'm trying to figure out what character Clark would have played had he been in Mayberry Man. Otis? <laughs> hey, I'll take any of them, really. <laughs> too, too small for Otis. Uh, mm. You know, I don't know that Otis was had a part in this. I didn't see it. No, I didn't see it. I was looking for it. Yeah. Uh, so I, I think all the other characters show up more or less. Uh, apparently, Andy Griffith's daughter, um, Dixie, played one of the two crazy girls that uh, that Barney would set up Andy with. You know the the oh the fun girls the from fun Mount girl, Pilot. Yes, the fun girls from Mount Pilot. She played one of the fun girls. <laughs> Hello, doll. <laughs> That's right. Hey, hon. <laughs> Come here, Bernie. She called him Bernie. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> oh my, fun stuff. Hey, uh, do appreciate uh, that. And again, go check it out for yourself. Mayberryman.com. Our thanks to uh, Court Howell. And again, his dad played Dud, who ended up in that film. He's the guy that goes off to uh, serve his country and comes back and marries. Uh, was it Dar? Was it uh, who was who was the darling daughter? See, I, 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 I mm, caught I can myself. See her. One. She was a she was a cute skinny blonde. I yeah, remember. Yeah. Was it? Uh, it wasn't Darlene, but it was uh, something like that. But uh, he comes back and marries the daughter. And anyway, uh, Dud was uh, the name of. Uh, court's dad hey thanks for being with us look forward to doing it again tomorrow we'll play a little political trivia join us then we'll see you bye bye everybody